how's it going tonight, everybody? We are Run the Real featuring Mike, Terry, Fox, and Dan. And we are back with a new category. What's our new category, guys? Samurai movies. Aw, yeah. We're going back in time. Back to the the 60s? (laughs) That seems to be when all the samurai movies were made. Yeah, thereabouts. A lot of them, yeah. Back to 1966 with this one. What did you pick, Terry? I picked The Sword of Doom because I bought this like two years ago as like a blind buy on Criterion, but I never watched it. So ah, <laughs> now's my chance or this was my chance and I did watch it. So one down, many more to go. Yeah. <laughs> you bought it mostly for the name, didn't you? I did, yeah. The name it's is called an awesome so name. So cool. <laughs> yeah, that name is just so awesome sounding. Like I think I re- might have not even read the plot. I just saw that name and was like, okay, I just am going to assume this is awesome because it's on the Criterion Channel and it has a great name. It does have a very cool name, but does the movie live up to the name? Let's find out. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, The Sword of Doom was released in 1966. It was directed by Kihachi Okamoto. Um, Currently on IMDb, it has an 8.0 out of 10. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 78% tomato meter and a 91% audience score. So this has got pretty good ratings across the board. It's not like the other samurai movies we've done that got into the top 250, which I guess, what, it was Harakiri? (laughs) That's the only other one. Oh no, we did 13 Assassins, too. Oh, we did, didn't we? Way back. That was like a modern one, though, I suppose. It was a remake of an old one, because even though they call them assassins, they're actually samurai, so. (laughs) The samurai assassinating somebody, or trying to. Yeah, anybody can be an assassin. You don't have to be a... That's true. You don't even gotta be subtle about it. (laughs) If I assassin, you mean murder a whole village worth of people? As in when your target walks up, you hold up a scroll that says total massacre. Yeah. (laughs) Just letting him know how it's gonna be. It's a real power move. (laughs) Maybe not the most, yeah, subtle assassination attempt ever, but you know what? They always get their man. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, we we just recently did Harakiri, and I think that got us in a, a samurai move, so we... We're making it a category. Yeah. And we're kicking it off with the Sword of Doom. Does anybody want to give a synopsis for this one since it is from 66? I can't think of a real good synopsis for this one, really. Read the IMDb page. Through his unconscionable actions against others, a sociopath samurai builds a trail of vendettas that follow him closely. Good enough. Yeah, that sounds about right. That... that is close. I will say this movie was nothing like what I thought it was going to be, but let's get into that. So I'm a, I'm still kind of processing this one. I've been doing some reading on it. I've been able to find some articles and some things I've read have suggested this kind of has a cult following in like American samurai fan circles and that some people are like this movie's so artsy and like this really unique plot structure and everything. But then maybe back when they made it, they just weren't a very well-funded studio. Maybe they had some issues in production, and people are like, oh, yeah, art. So I'm still kind of thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, I don't Yeah, this movie is kind of weird, I think. Like, I don't know. The, it has such a weird... I gotta say, like, I was almost outraged by the ending. <laughs> but then I kind of, like, 
read some stuff and I guess it makes sense. And it's kind of sat with me better as I've thought about it. But I don't know. Yeah, it, it just feels like it's a lot of vignettes into this guy. There's some some like interconnected stuff within it, but it doesn't feel like it connects necessarily the way I want it to, for better or for worse. Well, it's a highlight reel of all the important moments throughout, well, after that tournament that he has onwards and how that all builds up to that last scene or whatever. Yeah, it just isn't as satisfying. I feel like there's like parts they could have just like made things connect slightly and maybe it would have made a little more sense. But instead, like we never get like they're building up to the showdown that we never get. Yeah, well, I don't I don't know why we don't like just use some of these characters that we have. I feel like it just make for a stronger narrative. Well, apparently this was supposed to be a trilogy of movies, but they only ever were able to do this first one. Yeah, that's what I was reading, which kind of made me like, I don't know, maybe think of the ending a little differently, too, because I was like, okay, so they were going to keep going after that. But then it never happened. But I don't know. It just it just kind of stops, which I think there is like kind of you can read a message into that as well. But it also felt really kind of unsatisfying to me, I think. Yeah, because you never get that. Like you said, the big duel between the guy's brother that he killed in him. Like they're setting up. So much stuff in this movie. Like he's got the the brother's got like his friend now that has like an actual gun with him. There's like all this like <laughs> stuff there. So he's like, "Don't worry, I got this." It's literally what's it called, Shekhov's gun, and then <laughs> it never comes up again. It's like, okay, man, we watched the brother do that thrust so many times for apparently <laughs> no reason. It was the only move that could beat him. <laughs> Too bad he wasn't there at the end. I guess. He already he killed his brother when he used that move on him, so... <laughs> Only way to beat his lazy style. His lazy style. The shadow, silent style, yeah. I did like that. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to come across as I hated it. I think it's an interesting movie. It just makes me more, like process it differently, I guess. I have to like really think about it, you know, and <laughs> see, analyze what I like and don't like, and if I think maybe there's, you know, layers to it that I'm missing and stuff like that, you know. It's just it's just it's so different than, like, differently structured and everything that it kind of threw me off, I guess. I think we're of a similar mind, TV. Back on the showdown we never got, it probably was for the best that they never fought because... The master was pretty much telling the guy, you need to be ready to die when you fight this guy because he's going to whoop your butt, essentially. <laughs> and he's just like, quit training and try this one move where if you fail it, you're dead. He didn't have a chance anyways. Well, that was what was cool because I liked the dichotomy between the two. Like, he was learning to have peace of mind, accepting death, and like he's like, okay, I'm just going to focus on this one move and be totally at peace. And we see the evil samurai like starting to go unhinged he sees that master that makes him kind of go a little bit crazy he uh his wife tries to kill him and he's like like losing his peace of mind quote unquote and he's starting to get unhinged and i thought oh i see it's gonna be that's what's gonna cause him to fail is that he doesn't have the peace of mind that this other guy has but once again doesn't ever pay off that doesn't but we get an awesome fight Anyways, between him and endless hordes of samurai. <laughs> Man, there was so many like really good long takes too. Not just in that, but when he comes back in, from the tournament and gets ambushed too. Or he's just walking down the street and just slaughtering people. 
Oh, it's so cool. The fight scenes are all pretty awesome, I think, for sure. Well, it's neat because he uses that weird style that you usually don't see where he does not make the first move. He waits for someone to commit and then kills them. Like, he doesn't even cross blades with anyone, hardly. He just outright kills them when they attack him. Well, the dad like describes it like he waits until he like attacks cruelly or something like that. Like his style is all about attacking the unsuspecting or something. Yeah, it looks like he's not watching, but he actually is. Looks like he's not prepared when he's the most prepared he can be. Is something that somebody says in there along those lines. I don't remember exactly how it goes, but it's cool because you don't see that a lot really in these movies so it was neat watching it just for that aspect i do like the the mantra of the movie where it's what's it something like your sword is your soul or your sword or your soul is your sword like they're interconnected or whatever and so i guess that's where the whole sword of doom comes in the guy is a terrible person and so he gets like a terrible i don't know there's like a weird yin and yang i I don't know how to exactly like analyze it but i think it's interesting it's like haunting him at the end. The soul is evil, so the sword is evil. And... See, I didn't catch that very well throughout the movie. That's not really what stood out to me. I was having trouble coming up with how they came up with the name of this movie. It has a different name. Let me see if I can find it. It's like the Great Bodhisattva Pass or something in the Japanese title. Ah, uh, I thought it was going to be like a mystical sword that this guy had that it turned out to be in the end that made him so you know strong but that's not what this movie is at all i was kind of hoping for something like that too or yeah he finds like a cursed sword or something yeah and it kind of drives him crazy but yeah it's just he's just a bad dude right off the bat first thing we see him do is murder an old man i mean i guess he was praying for it but still like <laughs> i don't think he meant like literally someone come by and strike me down yeah i thought at the start he was like from the title, The Sword of Doom, I guess I got a lot of preconceptions about this movie before I watched it, because I spent the first probably 45 minutes of this movie thinking he was like death walking around killing people. I was thinking he was like a metaphor for it, with the Sword of Doom or whatever. Well, but... it kind of still is, because the whole movie's him setting up his own downfall, essentially. Yes, the sword does become his doom, but we don't get to watch his doom because it just ends abruptly because they wanted to make two more movies. So it doesn't, I don't know, it rubs me the wrong way, the title and the way this movie ends. You can interpret the ending that a certain way, but we'll get into that, I'm sure. I'm kind of opposite of all you guys. Um, I actually like that it wasn't, mystical really and it was all grounded in reality i thought that was nice because i mean it all comes back to that quote right that toshiro mifune says where he's like the sword is the soul study the soul to know the sword evil mind evil sword that's the whole linchpin of this movie essentially and i think it does a really good job as a character study on this sociopath essentially just the way he does everything like he doesn't act out without reason like even at the start when he kills that old man the old man was praying for it and so he comes along he's like all right just go look look over here and then just slaughters him and then in the tournament 
he kills the dude, but it wasn't until he used an illegal move on him. And then his whole fighting style is wait until he's attacked first, and then he just he just dispatches whoever comes after him, essentially. It's really interesting, I think, how that works in the film. I was reading some reviews about it, and there's one review that was talking about like the layers of the film, and one of them was about the dangers of like following a system or a code, but not putting in empathy or moral judgment and ethics into it. He's following the code, right? His Bushido code or whatever to the T, but he's he's doing it in a twisted, cruel way, and that just plays out with the karma angle. You get what you deserve. And so it all builds up to that end scene where you can say he's basically trapped in hell and being tormented by his demons at the end of the movie. So it's really I thought it was really interesting from that perspective. I also saw that theory for the ending that he's like either just totally gone off his rocker and he's just, yeah, having his own nightmares and fighting the ghosts of his past. Or else he's in hell and his his punishment is a a never-ending battle that he can't win no matter how much he kills and fights. I do think that makes it work better. <laughs> I like that viewpoint of the end. It makes sense, too, because like when he starts getting tormented by the ghosts and he's trying to cut down to escape, essentially, he can't because it's just endless hallways of like screen doors and... Um, he can't escape from him no matter how much he tries. And then all the people come in and start attacking him and he can't ever win. And he's always going around and saying, I'm the best swordsman, basically, and trying to challenge people and establish dominance through fighting. So he can't win. So he's just trapped in his own personal hell with all the demons of the past, essentially. See, I think I would have liked something like that a lot better. But if there was, say, a mystical element to it where his sword was actually the sword of doom and that was the reason he was such a good fighter and it was secretly like trapping all the souls within it and then there at the end it released all the souls, that would have made it a lot better for me. And, and it would have fit in with what you're saying. But currently the movie does not. <laughs> The way it ends does not fit with that for me. I didn't catch that at all. Well, if you look at it from that aspect, then you lose the whole, a lot of the character study that makes it interesting and how he's the cause of his own downfall. I don't think you necessarily lose that. It would just, I think it would be another character dynamic where he realizes he isn't all that he thinks he is. It was something he was using the whole time. And he's still trapped on this mountain of bodies of people he's killed. But that's why it's so cool, because he is basically the best swordsman. And he can't, he can't lose, essentially. And that's what, part of what makes it so interesting. Yeah, and that's like almost his curse at the end, I guess, is he can't lose. He gets cut up, and he's like in terrible pain, yet he still is managing to yeah, slay all these people. But it's like, at some point, you know, he just wants it to end. But it's an endless fight from there to the... Forever, I guess, because it just cuts, but... 
Yeah, I mean, I I get that, but he's not an interesting character to begin with. He has hardly any character development. There's no character arc for him until the last, like, 15 minutes. He's so distant and off-putting from everybody else. The only character development you get is when he goes crazy at the end with the supposed ghosts in the room. And that was the best part for his character. Everybody else has some development and, you know, like, dimensions to him. There's more than that because he's got his little family. And there's some character development around them throughout the film. But not for the main guy, uh, Ryanosuke. Yeah, that's for the main guy. I mean, he took that lady in. Well, because he likes food and sex. He, like, does his yeah. two basic needs and <laughs> that's all. But he, he didn't kill him until she tried to kill her. There's that thing again. And then, like, when he joins the assassination club or whatever, and they go after um, Toshiro Mifune, he doesn't fight him. That was pretty interesting, I thought. And it also ties back into his, kind of, his code where he's not, he doesn't engage. He always waits. He waits to be attacked before he unleashes himself. Well, you get that after his first two fights in the movie, so... He killed the old man just straight up. The old man did not attack him at all. And that other guy who was on the road, he almost killed him. He didn't <laughs> yeah. provoke him. So, oh, yeah. I don't know. That first scene kind of goes against what you're saying, Dan. I think he thought he was a thief, though, didn't he? He thought the wanderer might have been robbing something or something other. And then what about the old man? He just killed an old man up there. That old man asked to die. He was praying for death. It's not justifiable to us, but it is to um, this guy. To I don't know, I can't say his name, but it's justifiable to him in his in his viewpoint and following his code of honor. He's got to have a reason, which I do think that's kind of interesting. Like, even if he incites the reason himself, like forcing somebody's wife to cheat on their husband with him, so that he will, he knows the guy will go crazy and try to kill him. He'll be forced to defend himself, you know, like he, even if it is, he's, he always has some sort of, in his mind, he thinks he's got a reason to do it. Well, I think he, he derives pleasure from harming others too. So yes. that's another big point in it. This guy is not a good <laughs> dude at all. He's totally despicable, but he's still interesting, I think. Someone said at some point, this was like a picture of a sociopath. Was that you, Dan? Yeah, yeah. I think I would almost say this is a picture of a psychopath. One of the two. <laughs> because I feel like constantly he's just pushing people to just try and make a move on him. Like, I feel like he pushes his wife to try and kill him by being so indifferent to her and the baby. Like, he just seems to, like, give me a reason. Come on, someone give me a reason to do it. Because he doesn't just get off from the kill, and he gets off from being cruel to people. Yeah, the more I thought about this movie, the more I compare it to uh, the movie Joker that recently came out. It's about some dirtbag characters as the main character. But when you look at the Joker versus this guy, it's not really a great comparison because they're very different kind of socio-psychopaths, whatever you want to call them. But I'm just not a huge fan of those kind of movies, you know? Well, Joker's about a guy with mental issues who wasn't necessarily bad to begin with, but he doesn't get a break from anybody, and it basically drives him off the deep end. Whereas this one, this guy is 
just a dirt bag from the very beginning. I mean, his own father was like, you're an awful person. And then he tries to have people go and kill him. It's quite a bit different, I think. Yeah, it is different. I mean, the movie's still the same. It's watching, it's, it's seeing the events like at the very end, which all culminate in something for the dirtbag character or character or someone who becomes a dirtbag, I guess, in Joker's case. So, yeah, I don't know. I just didn't find his character very interesting. And that's probably down to personal preference. Yeah, I liked him for a while. I don't know. Yeah, I just seemed, I mean, I didn't like him, but I thought he was interesting <laughs> at least. He was a great guy, you know? Yeah, no. But, um, I I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you on this one. It, some of these movies are kind of hit or miss when it focuses on an, a blatantly, like, not good person, you know? But it's hard to it's hard to get attached to those kind of characters. For sure, yeah. You know, I don't know if these kind of characters should be the main character. Like, I feel like this... This dude, however you say his name, Mike has it down. <laughs> and no or something like that. Yeah. Like, I feel like is he's hugely influential for anime. Like, I feel like there's so many. It's a huge trope in anime for there to be some character that's like so indifferent and dead eye. But he's like the most skilled. He's so fast with his lazy style. Doesn't even care about killing people. But they're like usually a side character or a villain. Yeah, which he is like the villain, but yeah, it's just weird to focus on. And more like normal storylines, the movie would be about like the guy whose brother was killed and he's out for vengeance. I feel like that's what we would normally see, but yeah, instead we get to see this guy, which is interesting. I just, I don't know. I feel like my main problem is, yeah, that they just don't feel as interconnected, all these like uh, looks into his life through the years. I feel like the storylines don't quite line up together is this what villains do in their off-screen time just stare dead-eyed at the wall and get drunk <laughs> Man, some of that would kind of creep me out. i did like his like just dead-eyed stare he did pretty good at that since we're talking about him do you guys realize this is the same guy who played hanshiro in harakiri i did no i did not he looks so different i want to say we gushed about the Tatsuya Nakadai in Harakiri, but I'm going to do it again here. This dude is like a master actor. I was like, holy crap, just seeing how much range he has in Harakiri was impressive. But then this comes out and he plays this character. Oh my goodness. <laughs> He's so good. Like, not very many people can pull off just out of these two movies, the amount of different character types and emotions he portrays and everything, it's so impressive. Man, this guy is awesome. Like, somebody better pick a movie with him in it <laughs> in our last three <laughs> we have left. Because we do need to see more of him. He's so good. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe I'd never heard of him before. <laughs> One of the reviews I was reading was like, you know, everybody in America knows Toshiro Mifune, but Tatsuya Nakadai is like the greatest samurai actor ever. It's cool seeing him and Toshiro in this one. They don't even fight, but their interactions together are so, like, intense and interesting. Like when he goes to the dojo and he's trying to... um pick a fight essentially with them 
And Toshi was like, nah, I ain't going to fight you because I know what you're trying to do. Evil mind, evil sword, essentially. And then when he freaks them out at the snow area, too. Oh, man. I tell you something I really appreciate about this movie. You know, I don't think we get this very often anymore, but I really enjoyed the sound design of this one. And I think because it's a style of sound that has held up even to this day with like the sword fighting noises, like every samurai game to this day still uses those exact same fight sounds with the swords and the screaming and the slash noise. I wish I could make it. TV, you should post a slash noise sample with this. (laughs) Now I'm a sound designer, huh? Mm. (laughs) Hmm. Oh, no. Just going off of that into the actual sword play itself, too. Like... Everything about the fighting's iconic in this, because, I mean, there's a ton of games out. Well, not a ton, but I can think of two games at the moment. One is out already and another's coming that emulate the fighting in this film as the actual gameplay, essentially, where it's like kill the person in one swift move, essentially, or deflect the attack and then just run them through. And it's 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 cool because, like you said, they still they're still using the same sound effects, emulating that style of fighting to this day. And it's just it's a testament to how well it was made to begin with. I'm not 100 percent that this movie is, you know, unique or the first to do it, but I think it is a really great intro for our series. I think it really showcases the best of that style of choreography and sound design. And I hope we see some more of it. In our upcoming films. For sure, yeah. It might not be the first, but I'd say it does it extremely well in this one. Fox keeps dropping hints about upcoming movies mm. here. What's going on? Mm. Mm. Suspicious. The rest of our series better have this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited. Man, I'm so stoked for this Samurai series. I can't Me even too. tell you. <laughs> Me too. I thought it was really cool in the fights, like... We didn't really see this in Harakiri, but um, just like fingers and arms getting lopped off and stuff like that. That was really cool. It was a little more gory. And like, like I think there's a specific scene where like, yeah, the blood's like all over this one guy's face and it's just super brutal. Oh man, it was cool. Yeah, it was the 60s, so I'm not going to fault it, but there was like no blood on his sword throughout every single fight. So <laughs> That's funny you bring that up. Hi, yeah. Uh... A game I played for years that had a mod that changed it to a Japanese game. You may be familiar with old Warband. <laughs> but <laughs> hey. it used that picture of him in the forest surrounded by, like, the bodies behind him <laughs> as the nice. menu screen. But nice. somebody photoshopped a bunch of blood all over his sword and the bodies and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, I, I realize it's photoshopped now because I've seen the scene. <laughs> Just a fun side. Fox trivia. Yeah. <laughs> Our new segment. I will say I was a little off-put by the plot structure sometimes. And like, I don't know if that was an intentional move or just kind of a way that it turned out in post. It just seemed like sometimes whenever we like did that like two years later transition, it would be like, but wasn't there like three or four loose ends that needed to be like wrapped up in that previous location? And like maybe we didn't need a scene of him running away or escaping. But sometimes it did feel a little jarring, and I was a little thrown off for a while. I don't know if you guys felt like that, too. I did. Yeah, I did, too. 
My criticisms with this movie would definitely be with the structure and the pacing of it, because pretty much everything with Omatsu, I'd say, was not very compelling. I didn't even know, or I didn't realize, because I'm a dumb-dumb, that that was the the granddaughter of the guy who was killed on um, the trail until the very end. And then it, like, clicked in my head when it clicked with this guy. And I was like, holy crap. Yeah, that blew my mind, too. That was a good reveal. I didn't know until they said it, yeah. I didn't know until just now. Oh, maybe I'm, I take it back. I'm not a dumb dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I felt the same way. She's like, my grandfather died on a mountain. And I was like, what? Yes, I used to be a pilgrim. But yeah, my grandfather got killed. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, that was that's like the biggest payoff this movie has. And it's pretty good. After you find that out, you're sitting there going, all right, is he going to kill her? Is he gonna? Because he's all you can tell he's having issues at that moment, right? Because his past finally caught up to him. But yeah, that was really good. But back on the Omatsu stuff, um, I just didn't really care for the most part. Probably because I didn't recognize that that was the granddaughter. That's probably why I didn't care. If they would have made it more clear, I guess, then maybe I would have. But that kind of just drugged the film down, I think, whenever they were focusing on her character. Because it's obviously not about her, so it felt kind of weird that they were doing that. I I wish, instead of skipping around like they did, um, like Fox mentioned, maybe cut some of that content with her and interject more stuff about um, Tatsuya. Nakadai's character in there. Yeah, I thought I did too. I thought it was weird that yeah they were focusing on this like side story so much, but I think the reveal makes it all worth it for me at least. Just is so like oh my god, this is the same lady. This is it. I just really think that the surprise factor was what really sold it for me. Well, I mean, she's the one who sets up a lot of like the side characters, like the brother of the murdered guy and all this stuff. But none of that ever pays off either. She's like. Her plot line's kind of more, yeah, about this other stuff that doesn't ever feel resolved. I do have to wonder why she's even there prior to the end. I mean, the brother still would have gone to Kyoto, whether she was there or not. It was just like a happy coincidence that he saw her and dropped by her house for, I guess, what was a meaningless conversation and over tea. Yeah, I wonder if I'd still be as satisfied if she'd just shown up at the end, like, without her side story. I feel like I might have still thought that was a cool twist. Same. I think we could have done without all of it. It's set up for later for a movie they didn't get to make. Well, speaking of her and her whole thing, that's her like adopted parents that get assassinated at the end, right? It's like her aunt and uncle, I think. Yeah, I don't know. Could someone explain to me why they're being assassinated? I don't know. Because she ran away from that lord's house. That's what I'm thinking. But didn't the assassin save her from the lord? That was like a random old guy, wasn't it? Oh, wait, no, he was. Wait, was he assassin? That who was is that the, guy? Um, That was the uncle, I thought. The guy who was like, I'm just a scoundrel who breaks into houses. Mm-hmm. That might have been the uncle. I was very confused with what was going on with her, like, adopted family. It's not very clear. It's part of what just drags the movie along <laughs> through those parts, I think. Like, I like her being in there because that reveal... 
at the end is very well worth it. But I think they could have scaled her back some more and then maybe added in. Because, I mean, the movie's all about him following that code, right? But being sociopath or a psychopath. So maybe focus more on the brother who's more righteous and has more empathy and kind of do a do like a comparison between the two characters. I think that would have been more interesting to watch. Yeah, maybe like one section's about the evil samurai and then one's about the good one and then they just get back to the evil one and skip back like maybe do like a back and forth. That would have been kind of cool. Yeah, and it builds into the into the theme of him bringing about his own his own doom through his sword, right? Because he kills his brother and brings about this guy who could potentially stand up to him. Yeah, the plot structure is just kind of weird. I did totally forget about the assassin guy who's like lurking around and saving her, and then also killing the uncle and aunt. I for totally that just blanked my mind because I do not feel like it even mattered at all. <laughs> Does she ever discover that her uncle and aunt get killed? No. Well, does she die? She's just gone at the end. Yeah, he doesn't kill her himself, but yeah, he just like goes on his rampage and we don't see her again. Which to me supports the whole he's just like off his rocker and hallucinating or has died and gone to hell theory. Like he could have been poisoned by the leader of that gang when they were eating Mm. and drinking. That could be, yeah. Because they're talking about how he's an outsider and everything and they're kind of scared of him and then he's like i'll take care of it and then goes off with them (laughs) so that could have been but obviously if they were gonna make two more movies and that probably is not what happened and they could have been saving like the dual samurai code versus ethics thing for the other two movies which makes me really sad if that's what they were going to do because I could see them leading up to an awesome duel between those two characters. Yeah, that's for sure. It is sad that they never actually got their chance. I guess there is like older versions of this movie. Like this is a remake, I think a couple times, but the, all I think the other versions have been lost. Yeah, like the and I think they had multiple films, but I don't think they were ever restored or they were destroyed or something. I think I saw somewhere that's based off an old Japanese story or a book or something. Yeah, I was reading my Criterion booklet and it was saying, I think, I could be wrong, I think it's either, it was like a newspaper strip that was like a weekly thing or something and it was kind of like how this movie is like vignettes into the sky and then I think maybe it turned into a book later or I might be wrong and it was just always a book but that would explain kind of why the plot structure is weird. So uh, if it was like a weekly serial thing, kind of, I guess, like the old Conan books or something. Yeah, I think it started as a newspaper serial and then got made into like a book format, kind of like Hunchback in Notre Dame. Does anybody have anything else about this one they want to talk about? I don't think so. I've aired my opinions. Yep. All right, time for some overall presentation then. Yeah, let's do it. So we got a scale that we use to rate the movies. It goes from burn it, pass, watch it, or buy it in that order. We all give a little summary of what we think, throw down our rating, and then try to average it out at the end. So will this movie make the cut? Ooh. <laughs> or is it doomed to fail? Ooh. Okay. How smooth. Just remember what happens to everyone who attacked him first. <laughs> <laughs>
while you're oh, thinking of your score here. <laughs> like Dan's trying to pressure the vote. He's trying to rig the election. If you never hear from me again after this, uh, you know what happened. <laughs> I was struck down. Well, don't worry, I'll go first. <laughs> Find out what happens here. Well, I'm surprised there was no shenanigans about that. But... I was bracking my brain quickly as I had <laughs> <just> said it. <laughs> my brain was firing on all cylinders and I dropped the ball this time, so you, I guess you can pass through. <laughs> Go first this once if you'd like. You've brought shame <laughs> on you and your family. Well, actually, now that I think about it... Oh, um, no, I <laughs> spoke, and then it happened. <laughs> you let me think too long. So, uh, Mike, I think I have this, this fond memory of you. It was me and you sitting in the <laughs> dojo, you know, just watching the others train. And then this mysterious man walked in, <laughs> and he looked at me and was like, you, I want to fight you, Terry. And I was like... Uh, no, no, no. You got to fight uh, Mike here first. Mike's got to oh, go up there first. Throw me under the bus, huh? I told the, the man that Mike has great overall presentations and Ooh. that he would love ah. to go first. So. Ah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You've regained your honor and your family. Well, you heard it. Mike has great overall presentations. You know, in the context of the samurai movies I've seen, I think I have to give this one a pass. For mainly the reason that there's, if you're going to invest this much time to watch one of these movies, because all these samurai movies are very slow, there's so much better that you can watch. I mean, anything Kurosawa, Harakiri, The Seven Samurai, Rashomon, those are both Kurosawa. I enjoyed all those way more than I enjoyed this one. This one does have kind of a charm to it in that the main character is this complete dirtbag but it also loses a lot of what those other movies have because of it. I, I gotta give this one a pass. It's not a bad movie, but if I was gonna recommend samurai movies to somebody who hasn't seen any, this would not be the one that I recommend to them. You know, like I said at the beginning, I'm still kind of processing this one, and if anything, this review has only validated the things that I didn't like, but also given me some new things to think about, and further solidified the things that I do like. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I haven't seen that many samurai movies. I don't think I like this one as much as the other ones we've done, if only because the pacing and the plot is just made so bizarre, and there's a very large number of subplots that are just started and then left unfinished, and I, I don't appreciate the amount of time we sink into those, only to have them, you know, just kind of peter out. <laughs> I think I'm going to give this one a watch at this point, though. I think, if anything, it's kind of neat to see how hugely influential this movie and the style of film that it is have been on contemporary media. And I think the fight scene at the end and Toshiro's fight scene in the snow are pretty wild in themselves, although it's a bit of a slog to get to both. So a watch from now, but maybe an update if things go south. Although I don't use social media, so nobody but you guys will know. <laughs> <laughs> I can post on your behalf. Run the Real has a collective social media. There you go. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm a little conflicted on this one, too. I didn't hate it. I, I probably did rag on this a lot. Um, but I really think it is an interesting film. 
it's structured weirdly, and I think that's its biggest problem, is I think that it sets up a lot of stuff but never follows through. Maybe that's because it was supposed to be a trilogy, but I can only judge by what we got right now, and I was pretty unsatisfied with a lot of the stuff they were setting up. Like, And it feels like it's all leading to a certain point, and it never gets you there. But it does get you to a pretty epic fight at the end, and you know you can read it in a couple different ways that are kind of interesting. And I think there are some cool moments. I think that our main actor is awesome. He's really creepy when he just has that dead-eyed stare. But I will admit I did get kind of tired of him towards the end. It did start to drag for me. Um, But I think I'm going to give it a watch. It. I think it's still worth watching. I haven't seen a lot of samurai movies either, so I don't know. I'm sure there's a ton that are better than this, but I still enjoyed most of it for the most part even if i was kind of flabbergasted at the ending i I think i literally like dropped my remote was like what that's it what and then it just like stops on a freeze frame it just literally just freezes and it's like it reminded me a little bit of our last review society where it just kind of ends and you're like oh i guess that's it huh they're just gonna (laughs) go now so it was interesting um but yeah i think it's still worth watching so I consider this to be a diamond in the rough. It's an interesting little movie that gives you a main character that you don't see very often. And that's for good reason, because it's hard to make you care about somebody who's a complete dirtbag. And it can be difficult to make them interesting character that you want to see what happens to them in the end. But for me, I think this movie actually achieves that. I found it very interesting just because this guy's not your typical villain at all, right? He's extremely reserved in everything he does. He doesn't hardly talk. When he does, he's always menacing and just trying to cause harm to other people, it seems like. And when he fights, he doesn't he doesn't attack anybody. He always waits until he's attacked before he does anything. And when he does do something, it's cruelly dispatching the people with little effort on his part, essentially. It's such an interesting thing to see out of a main character in a film. And you don't see it very often, which is why I liked watching this and just seeing... What's going to happen to this guy? Is he finally going to get it? Is somebody going to do him in? Or is he going to um, succumb to his demons, which he does in this film? And, And the whole layer of following a code, but not using morality or empathy to understand it, and just using it as like a set of rules to follow so you're not, so you don't lose your honor or anything is really interesting. Not a lot of movies tackle that subject matter, and I think this one tackles it very well. It all ties into that quote that Mifune says about evil mind, evil sword, and it it ties itself together really well around that, and I liked it a lot. It It was interesting and kept me engaged through the admittedly not so great Omatsu parts that drug the film down just watching this guy and seeing how that layer of the film is strung throughout it and kind of criticizes the samurai class in 
in and of itself again, which is a common theme in all these movies I'm starting to see, is really good. And I mean, on top of that, there's some superb action with, with some awesome set pieces and cinematography and long takes that I'm never going to forget. If anything, I'd say the movie's worth watching just for those action set pieces. But even with that, you still get a really interesting look at this villain and this unique layer and framing that they're going for in this film. So I really liked it. You don't see things like this very often, and it is great. I'm going to give it a buy it, even though... I don't think it's like a perfect film, and I did have problems with it. I still really enjoyed the rest of it, so that's a buy it from me. Nice. That is true. The the, the cinematography is pretty good. I didn't we didn't really talk about it, but yeah, like the shot that's on like the cover of the at least my DVD of him just walking down the forest with all the bodies behind him. Like that's just such an epic shot. It's so cool. They kind of like personifies the movie a little bit honestly <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's some really cool stuff in here well there you have it a watch it two watch it's a buy it and a pass for the sword of doom a movie that i bought blindly but unfortunately had to give it a watch it <laughs> <sighs> sometimes this does happen that's the risk you take i guess but you know what it's still decent enough i'll probably watch it again eventually yeah, yeah. why not maybe go. i'll put i'll put on the old commentary track next time so i can listen to somebody talk about the movie when it gets to the boring stuff <laughs> <laughs> now, does anybody have a pick for next week you know i've been thinking i'm a big fan of the show bob's burgers and in Bob's Burgers, they watch an old samurai movie called Hawk and Chick. And I've always been like, oh, that's a cute <laughs> gag. <laughs> so I'm thinking maybe Lone Wolf and Cub is what we should do. Ooh. <laughs> you know what? That is That too is where I heard of Lone Wolf and Cub, <laughs> thanks to Hawk and Chick. <laughs> if only so I could appreciate Hawk and Chick more. <laughs> I've actually seen this one. I own the Criterion Collection, which has like, I think there's six movies in this series. Oh, and dang. I, I've got the, the collection that has all of them. So I'm very interested to see what you guys will think of this one. Because, well, just because of the first movie or what. Yeah, I'm just interested. <laughs> <laughs> and I might even talk about how a certain highly regarded Star Wars television show that's come out follows the formula of this film quite a bit. Oh, oh interesting. Anyways, uh, so if any of you out there have any suggestions, any thoughts about the reviews, if you want to send us your own review of these movies, hit us up on Facebook or on Twitter at Run the Real, or you can email us at runtherealpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of the movies. Let us know if you have anything you want us to watch. Yeah. Tell us why Tatsuya Nakada is the best samurai actor. Yeah. Give us 20 reasons. <laughs> Dan's always got the loaded statements at the end here. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> why. <laughs> My opinion is validated. <laughs> Please explain why Sword of Doom is a bite. <laughs> so be sure to tune in to us next week. We'll keep going with the uh, samurai series. And then... I think, I don't know, I've got one in mind now 
for the next week, but you'll have to Ooh. listen next week to find out. Ooh, cliffhanger. Yeah, it should be a good review next week, so be sure to tune in for that. Thanks for listening to us tonight. This is Run The Real, signing off. Mm-hmm.